Welcome back for episode 25 in our study of the book of Revelation. This episode is called The Fourth and Fifth Trumpets. I'm Sam Bracken, your host, and our teacher is Dr. Breck England, who is discussing the book of Revelation through the lens of the temple. We are reading Revelation chapters 8 and 9, where seven angels with seven trumpets signal the judgments that fall on the earth during the Great Tribulation. Our last episode was about the judgments of the second and third trumpets. Today, we move on to the judgments of the fourth and fifth trumpets. In the ancient temple of Jerusalem, the priests would sound a silver trumpet every morning of the week, and they would read a psalm designated for that day. What's going on in Revelation 8 and 9 is the same thing, only it happens in heaven because there is a temple in heaven, mm-hmm. okay? or heaven is a temple. The cycle of trumpet calls was supposed to remind the people of the seven days of creation. So on the fourth day of the week, they would hear a psalm that reminded them of the fourth day of creation, right? The fourth day psalm was always number 94. Could you read that for us? Lord, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Thanks. Now, on the fourth day of creation, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. But on the fourth day of decreation, the fourth trumpet signals the end of light a miracle opposite to the appearance of Christ. The light is taken away on the fourth day of judgment. A New Testament scholar named Terence Fretheim says this, quote, This fourth day plague is the darkness of chaos. It is a reversion to a pre-creation state of affairs. It is an ecological disaster, close quote. So, the plague of the fourth trumpet is pollution. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Revelation chapter 8, verse 12 says this, A third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. This darkness is the smoke that we create. The smoke of warfare, the smoke of unrestrained industry, the fumes that we create already make it impossible to see a third of the light from the stars. Did you know that? I didn't. In 2016, scientists announced that the Milky Way was no longer visible to one-third of humanity. In other words, we're doing this to ourselves. Okay, you mm. see that? Yeah, so, so the prophecy is already being fulfilled. Yes. The ancient prophet Mormon prophesied of our day that, quote, there shall be great pollutions in the face of the earth. There shall be all manner of abominations, close quote. That's from the eighth chapter of Mormon, uh, verse 29 through 31. And one of our general authorities, Elder Marcus B. Nash, has said, quote, 
There is a corollary between the selfish, materialistic man out to hoard money and material possessions, or the man with irreverence for life, and pollution, spiritual or temporal, upon the face of the earth. You see, we're already doing it to ourselves. Yeah. And they had plenty of pollution in John's time, too. Uh, quote, Extensive hemispheric air pollution was associated with remarkable lead and copper mining and metallurgical activities in the Roman Empire. They built their silver smelting furnaces with high chimneys so that the gas from the ore may be carried high into the air where it was heavy and deadly, close quote. Uh, researchers into that time find, quote, a clear relationship between man-made environmental degradation and cultural decline in the ancient world. So even then, there was an ecological disaster caused by human actions. Ezra Taft Benson once said this, quote, Heedless pollution of water and air are merely outward expressions of the inner man. Close quote. Environmental pollution comes from polluted spirits, don't you think? Wow, that's interesting. In our greedy age, says the Doctrine and Covenants, darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people. Close quote. This is not something that's in the, just in the future. It is now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now remember that we are in the midst of a mortal journey here. The posterity of Adam is now traveling through a dark and dreary world. Remember, it's a dark world. In John's Greco-Roman world, the dying sun god headed south of the celestial equator, falling under a yearly spell of darkness and rain. This wintry darkness symbolizes our mortal journey. Now, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, John says this, I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the voices of the trumpets of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Okay, he's prophesying that it's going to get worse. This verse cross-references to Nephi's condemnation of those who live to get gain, to be praised of men, to get gold and silver, who do murder and plunder and steal and bear false witness. For this cause, woe shall come unto you, except ye shall repent. That's in uh, Helaman chapter 7. So, the first four trumpets of the seven, right, reveal the devastating effects of war and the spoiling of the earth. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. The Lord doesn't have to plague us when we're doing a good job ourselves Mm -hmm. of turning his creation into a smoking ruin. It is the natural consequence of human covetousness. So, the next three trumpets decree spiritual anguish and even more colossal warfare, concluding with the downfall of Babylon, which is the whole oppressive civilization ruled by Satan. So what happens when the fifth trumpet sounds? On the fifth morning of each week, the temple priests would blow their trumpet and read Psalm 81 to the encircling worshipers. In this psalm, the Lord recalls his delivery of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Could you read that for us? Yeah, yeah, sure. 
Thou callest in trouble, and I deliver thee. Hear, O my people, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Right, That's that was chanted out to the people every uh, fifth morning okay, of the week in Jerusalem. At one of the 42 stations of the Exodus, the Israelites ran out of water. And they got very thirsty and very angry and threatened to stone Moses. Okay. Wow. Is the Lord with us or not, they said. So with his staff, Moses struck a rock, which broke open and water gushed out. And he called the place Meribah, which is Hebrew for contention, anger. The same sort of thing happens on the fifth day of tribulation. Another crack opens in the earth, but instead of water, something pretty awful comes out of it. Would you read Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 3? Absolutely. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given a key of a bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of a pit. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. So, no life-giving water comes out of this crack in the rock. No, that's right? pretty creepy. Instead, a <laughs> horde of flying demons gushes out. Oh, wow. Well, like the plague of locusts back in Egypt, they darken the sky, right? Mm. By the way, um, locusts still today cause widespread damage in the Middle East. A century ago in Jerusalem, millions of insects hid the sun, they say. Infestations even today continue to uh, threaten East Africa and Arabia and India. It's a big deal there. Mm -hmm. However, these locusts, interestingly enough, were commanded not to hurt very much. They were commanded to hurt only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. That's in chapter 9, verse 4. Now, these locusts are a complicated symbol. In a nutshell, they represent war. They have breastplates of iron and wings as the sound of chariots. In John's time, the people feared invasions by armies of barbarians who had long hair like women and were rumored to have teeth like lions. So the locusts in one, at one level are symbols of barbarian armies mm -hmm. that would threaten the peace of the empire. But they also represented tyrants because... On their heads were fake crowns like gold. Notice that it says crowns like gold. That's fool's gold, false gold. Mm -hmm. And finally, they also represent disease and infection because they have tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. These demons are images of the constellation Sagittarius, which resembles a locust. If you ever look at a picture of the constellation Sagittarius, he wears a double crown and a royal face, and he traps the sun at the beginning of the winter. So he's a winter constellation. You remember that the weapon of Sagittarius is a bow and an arrow. Yep. 
not just any arrow, but a toxon in Greek, a poisoned arrow from which we get the word toxic. Right, yeah. Sagittarius is a type of Nimrod, the mighty hunter, king of Babylon, who built the Tower of Babel. In Jewish lore, he's called the supreme example of the tyrant. Uh, Nimrod was also the first king to wear a crown. <laughs> he was, oh, didn't know that. In legend, anyway. The laurel wreath of the conqueror. So locusts represent invading and conquering armies that spread death and destruction. Yes. In the Old Testament, prophets likened invading armies to locusts. Quote, chewing, swarming, crawling, and consuming. Uh, the prophet Joel said, quote, A nation will come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion. And the prophet Amos compares the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel by an army of locusts to the day of the Lord, which is darkened by war. Quote, The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Amos chapter 5. The fifth trumpet decreates the fifth day of creation, in which God said, quote, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth. The Creator brought order to unorganized manner, which is raging. And in Near Eastern legend, the Creator God defeated a monstrous embodiment of primordial chaos before organizing the earth. And in Hebrew, God forms the earth from the tehomot. In Greek, that's the abyss, the waters of the deep. And he fills it with life fish in the sea and flyers in the air. But now Satan, the fallen star, right, unlocks the abyss and releases demonic flyers. Quote, To them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. What does it mean that the locusts don't kill people? They just torment them. Well, the locusts are Satan's representatives. An ancient uh, commentator, an early Christian commentator named Tychonius, referred to them as, quote, the false prophets who never cease to attack the true church with false and venomous teachings. Although they cannot kill, they can tempt and torture us with pain that is as the sting of a scorpion. Now, such pain can be physical or psychological. The book of Proverbs speaks of both. Quote, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? The answer, They that tarry long at wine. They that go to seek mixed wine that biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Proverbs 23, verse 29 through 32. Satan causes much suffering through psychoactive substances. People, right. people wandering from the covenant path often turn to alcohol and drugs to relieve emotional stress. Alcohol and drugs are the plague of our time. I agree. Naturally, these intoxicants make things worse. The ancients always compared alcohol to a fiery serpent <laughs> that produces, quote, fear, depression, despair, anxiety, 
and tension. In addition to alcohol, opium and wormwood were traded internationally. The use of drugs and magic spells, which were called pharmakeia, or drug-related sorcery, led to widespread addiction. Did you know the word pharmacy comes from? <laughs> comes from uh, magic, um, magical drugs that were traded internationally, anciently. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I guess they still do and, the same thing. Uh, yeah, and it, it led to widespread addiction. Yeah. Do you remember the story of Pandora's box? Yeah. Yeah which released all the evils into the world. Right. Well, it wasn't a box. In, in Greek, it was actually not a box. It was a pithos, which is a large wine jar. Oh. So when she opens the wine jar, all the evils of the world come out. Isn't that interesting? Yes, the okay. liquor. liquor yeah, it's, not a, it's not a box. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about Pandora's box, what you're really talking about is Pandora's wine box. Yeah, it's, okay. it's booze. It's yes, Pandora's it all came. Yes, it's, it's exactly. It's a booze box. <laughs> yes. Now, of course, we know that drug abuse and alcohol abuse bring global misery yeah, in our time and, 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 and also in John's time. So Pandora's box, which is really booze, <laughs> right? Drinking and yeah. alcoholism. As I grew up amongst alcoholics, what I one of the things I noticed was they... Um, their free will was greatly diminished because of their addiction. Now, as Latter-day Saints and as disciples, as we do not partake of that, we actually do have free will. And people use it the argument that um, you can't drink so you don't have free will. And I say bullcrap on that because, because I don't drink, I do have free will. I see more people in that state where they're like the walking dead because of alcoholism and drug abuse than I ever to care to see. It's a great, it's a great abomination, and and Satan disguises it by saying, "Well, if you if you can't drink, then you don't have any free will." And yeah. like, it, it's like bullcrap because <laughs> it's no, just the opposite. It's just exactly yeah. the opposite. Yeah. So he's twisting it. So right. it makes a lot of sense to me. Now, so much for that. But although the locusts don't bring physical death, they bring something worse, which is spiritual death. Uh, the great French theologian Jacques Ellul says this, quote, The work of the locusts is the spiritual death of man, which is the true profound torture, anguish, despair, complete depression and delirium. Men wish to die, but they do not, because spiritual death is strictly beyond death. That's really kind of a frightening observation, but it is true. Spiritual death is worse than it physical is. death. It is. Now, on the other hand, remember that Satan's locusts have no power over those who have the seal of God in their foreheads. They are represented by the grass and the green plants that are shielded from the locusts in Revelation. They represent the disciples of Christ. He can't hurt the, the greenery, the fresh green plants. He can't hurt, the locusts can't hurt them because they represent the disciples of Christ. Still, the cloud of locusts from, from Satan's pit, a dark night of the soul, can afflict the saints as much as anyone else. Right. So now, when the Israelites were, quote, discouraged because of the way, as they were, you know, traveling through the wilderness. At one point, they rebelled against God and Moses. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people 
and much people of Israel died. That's in the book of Numbers uh, 21. Nephi tells us that these were fiery flying serpents. Now that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. They were just like the locusts that John saw in Revelation. Now Moses promised the sufferers that they would live if they simply looked on an image of a fiery serpent, which was a type of Christ. In both Exodus and Revelation, those who look to Christ are saved, while others are, quote, so hardened that they would not look, therefore they perished, close quote. That's Alma 33. So long as the destroyer and his minions continue, anxiety afflicts our celestial world, our proving ground for eternity. But our anxieties can also help us grow spiritually. True saints do not anxiously await the end. They are anxiously engaged in causes that grow their capacities. That's Doctrine and Covenants 58, 27. If we're anxious, if we have anxieties, we should remember that, quote, the bottomless pit, though inhabited by malevolent forces, is under God's control, close quote. That's Elil again. To the repentant, God promises, and this is a quote from the prophet Joel, God promises to restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, end quote. Wow, that's cool. And that's where we are today. Next time we'll talk about uh, the sixth trumpet. Looking forward to it. Thank you.